This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but uh, the world's crazy. Y'all know <laughs> Y'all know that? I mean, just, just straight up crazy. And... And it's so obvious to, to anybody with any sense. Uh, the deck four, which is the handbook for counselors and psychiatrists, over the last two installments as it's been released, the amount of categorized fears, what we call phobias, has begun to categorically explode. Where people are being treated for some of the craziest stuff you ever heard of in your entire life, right? So today I thought we'd have a little fun as we get ready to open and go through some of these just straight up weird phobias. Is that cool? Let's start with just some easy ones that you might be a little familiar with. This one right here, arachnophobia. Y'all ever heard of that? That is a fear of spiders. That is correct. That is correct. This next one, which is a fit, a fit. Aphid, aphidiophobia. I stumbled over that one. Aphidiophobia. What is that? Anybody know what this one is? Anybody? Fear of snakes. That is correct. Anybody got that fear? Y'all don't want to, like, you know, get ready to get out of bed and look down and there's a snake laying next to your bed, do you? I used to have that dream when I was at camp. Y'all ever have that dream? You get ready to get out of bed and you look down and there's a snake. That was a horrible dream. Anyway, the next one, claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. Anybody familiar with that? That is the fear of small children, right? No, I'm just kidding. The fear, fear of small spaces. The fear of confined, confined spaces. That's right. Um, agoraphobia. This one. Agoraphobia. Agora, an agoraphobic is afraid of... Being in a situation or a space that they can't get out of. All right? So agoraphobia is the fear of not being able to get of, of spaces where I can't get out of. And the last one, cynophobia. Cynophobia. Anybody familiar with this? Fear of dogs. All right? Fear of dogs. Those are categorized uh, by psychiatrists as the top five diagnosed phobias. All right, those right now. Now we're going to go into some more obscure ones, okay? We're going to have a little fun with this. And I'll show you some people who actually have them. Uh, the first one, chromophobia. Chromophobia. A chromophobic would be a little freaked out with this picture right here. Chromophobia is the fear of bright colors. The fear of bright colors. A famous chromophobe, uh, Billy Bob Thornton is uh, a chromophobe, all right? Lepidopterophobia. Lepidopterophobia. Anybody got a, just a shot in the dark at what this would be? Someone, someone suffering from that would be freaked out to be in this situation. It's a fear of butterflies. Fear of butterflies and Famous person, Nicole Kidman, is, is 
afraid of butterflies. All right, the next one. I think there's actually more of, of these people in this room than would admit it. Um, cholerophobic. A cholerophobic would be terrified in this situation right here. <laughs> fear, fear of clowns, right? You know, back in the day, I don't know who decided clown ministries back in the day were a good idea, but, you know, I'm just saying that stuff's freaky. Um, all right. And the last one is, and, and Johnny Depp would be the famous, the famous cholerophobic, uh, chiclophobia, chiclophobia, chiclophobia. Would, they would be really intimidated in this picture. Fear of chewing gum. And, and it's really, she's actually been in the news a little bit. So Oprah Winfrey is a chiclophobic, a, 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 apparently deathly afraid of chewing gum. Just the, if you ever have an opportunity to shake her hand, blow a bubble. That's what I'm just going to say. All right. So, I mean, does it, does it seem to you the way it does to me, I guess, that fear is something that in our culture, instead of reacting to it the way that God's word tells us to, we've began to embrace it as a part of the way that we are, a way that we live. In just a few minutes, I'm going to read to you some statistics. They're absolutely staggering. And the passage that we dive into today is really the heart of this series. Because all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching us that we don't have to live life in fear. We can live life in security. God is in control. God is good. We can trust him. But we live in this world where Fear has become not just something that we've accepted and allowed and given permission kind of to live in our life. We've accepted it as a good thing. See, fear is the mother of worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety are actually born out of fear. Earlier in this series, I told you this. Fear says God can't. Faith says God can. They stand on the opposite ends of the same tension. So looking at a country that has staggering statistics when it comes to the effects of fear in our lives, depression, anxiety, worry. This is just some notes from the CDC's Statement from last year, from 2012, that 9.4% of the U.S. adult population suffers with depression. That's one out of every 10 adults that they classify. The average onset of a depressive or anxiety disorder has transitioned from almost 30 years old to now almost 14 years old since 1962 to 2012. 
Depressive disorders and anxiety disorders cost American businesses about $16 billion annually in lost work time. And Americans spend almost $42 billion a year on medications and treatments specifically, not even in that depressive, this like broad spectrum, just on anxiety. And in this room, I mean, I would tell you this, that based on the statistics, twice as many women suffer from these based on the statistics that the CDC is reporting. It's in, in the U.S. about 12 million women, about 6 million men. The Bill Gates Foundation exists to do some humanitarian work across the world where they go in and basically their job is to do some research to help lawmakers make better laws. At the end of 2012, they did a worldwide study about what would be the most, the highest factor affecting the possible disability of people who are in the workforce worldwide. And they came back with this. That depression is the largest disabling factor worldwide. And this is a quote from the Gates Foundation. When you are seeing more years lived with disability from depression and anxiety than you are for most injuries, chronic diseases, and infectious diseases, then you need to start thinking about addressing them. Folks, it just doesn't have to even be there. I mean, we know people who have had their lives literally ravaged by fear. And as we dive into this today and we kind of jump into this passage of Scripture, Jesus is presenting a stark contrast to the way that most of us have have thought about the way that we can interact with him. If not theoretical, but very practical. All right? And the reason that it's so important, the reason that Jesus is placing this at the heart of his talk is that there's nothing that affects our lives like fear. There's nothing that will cripple the quality of life that you live and can do it so quickly like fear. So today we're going to dive into Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn there. As we get ready to dive into this passage, let me just set it up that we talked last week about treasure. That's where Jesus was right before we go into this. Okay? And we talked last week about the fact that when our treasure is misplaced, it automatically leads to anxiety and fear because I have found my treasure in the wrong place. But when I find my treasure in Jesus, I can live in security because He is secure. In a few verses in between that and the passage that we're about to read, Jesus talks about having two masters, that we can't serve two masters. Oftentimes, that's taken to directly apply it to money, but 
just in the global context of what we're talking about, let's just paint that as Jesus is saying, hey, your heart can only be fixed to one thing. All right. And that's what we, so we were talking about where our treasure is. Jesus says, your heart can only be fixed to one thing. And then we will begin in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Continuing on verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? There's a lot of jokes that I could make right there. For the ladies, I'm just going to stop and not get in too much trouble. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry saying what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. I think we were supposed to stop a little bit earlier than that. So we get ready to go into this. Let me. Make a few observations for the text before we really get into the heart of the message today. The first one is that Jesus, when he begins to teach on this central theme, and he begins to bring it down to to worry, he makes it personal. He makes it personal for you. He makes it personal for me. I mean, those are some pretty direct questions. But it's not just personal. Sometimes in the context of Scripture, you'll see a question that's asked to somebody. And it was for that person. But as we read this, Jesus is as globally speaking to all of us and as personally speaking to us individually as he could possibly be. And there's another thing that needs to be said. In this passage of scripture. If I were preaching this message. In central China. Or in rural Rwanda. If I were preaching it. Even in some places in Appalachia. They would understand. What it means to worry. About getting food. They would understand that. But for most of us in this room, we've never lived in that tension. But in Jesus' day, that was really common. Because the economy 
was very thin. In other words, what was here today, the wealth that I have today, could very easily be gone very short. And so Jesus is speaking to people who have understood hunger. They've understood nakedness. They've been around the depravity that he's speaking of. But most of us, we've never been without clothes or without food. But that doesn't mean that what he's saying in a broader sense isn't just as applicable because honestly, in the presence of an abundance of food, in the presence of an abundance of clothes, the problem is even bigger. Okay? So let's dive into it. I want to tell you, based on this scripture, why we don't have to worry. You see, because there's a lot of us here that feel like we have to. That that's a healthy thing. That that's a good thing. But let me give you the first reason why you don't have to worry. In verse 25, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. The first reason we don't have to worry is because Jesus said so. And when it comes to us following him, Let us be the kind of people that say, God, you say it, I'll do it. We don't really even need to navigate beyond that, but let's just stop there. Jesus said, you don't have to worry. So when the world tells you that you do, the world's wrong. When your heart When your heart tells you, you should be concerned and worried about this. There should be fear about this situation. Your heart's lying. Now let me just stop and say something that just bears some expanding. All right? Concern is born out of love. All right? Worry is born out of fear. All right. Concern is born out of love and affection and care. Right. Worry is born out of control. There's a great big difference between being concerned and worried. All right. Someone who's concerned about somebody understands that they can't do a dang thing about the situation, but they're emotionally, physically invested into the circumstance. But somebody who's worried has this fear that the thing that they don't want to happen is going to happen. It's born out of a sense of control, not out of a sense of love, which is where concern definitely comes back. And so Jesus says that we don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Do not worry. But we worry, don't we? And here's why we worry. Because there's a broken system inside of us around two different things. One is that sometimes we think God is not good. 
And sometimes we think we can't trust him. But in this little passage of scripture, Jesus proves again that God is good and we can trust him. First thing, reason after that, why we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry because God is good. In verse 30, as Jesus is teaching, he says that if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is to here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you? The point that he's making is, look, here's something that doesn't even matter. Here's something that, that in all of our eyes, it's here today and it will be gone before too long. God has sustained it. God has grown it. Look, it's beautiful. If God is that good to a little plant, would he not be that good to you? He goes on to say that you're much more valuable than that plant. But when we begin to break down in our structure of belief and the way that we think about God and we let God's goodness come into question, it leads inevitably to fear. Because ultimately, fear is saying that God is not going to come through. Why is God not going to come through? Because God isn't good. And sometimes we look back, and there are some of you, I know your stories. It's easy to look back over your life and to go, God is not good because. Look at what happened. God is not good because that happened. But if you walk with him long enough, eventually you're going to see God's goodness even in the most difficult and grossest of circumstances. Just because you don't see it right now. Just because you don't understand that God is good in that circumstance doesn't mean that he's not. How many of you are, are parents? And you know sometimes the best thing for your child is not something that they'll even understand. On Friday, my daughter is going in for surgery. And she'll be upset. But she needs to have this surgical procedure that is going to be performed. It's the right thing to do. Sometimes God has got to do some surgery on our lives. And we don't understand it when it's happening because pride is a very difficult thing to rip out of a human heart. It hurts. God is much more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And at times, God will 
allow some very difficult things to come into our lives because he is being good to us. The third thing, the third reason you don't have to worry is that you can trust God no matter what. You can trust God no matter what. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus begins to talk about the questions that are basic needs. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. In other words, you don't even have to ask that question. God knows you need it. He is in the means of providing it for you. Now, we don't have to worry, but many of us do. So when we're going to look at what it means to transition from a life that is lived in fear, in worry, in anxiety, to taking a step out of that and then transitioning into the life that God would have us to leave, where we're leading a life that is in faith and in security with Jesus. Just wanted to give you some practical things that we can do to make those steps forward. The first thing is to address the root of the problem. You see, worry, anxiety, fear are all symptoms of a problem that's deeper. I mean, over and over and over, the Bible tells us not to fear, but it tells us not to fear because God is in control. God is good. God is faithful. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. All throughout the scriptures, but the reason is, is that God is good. But oftentimes when that becomes a part of our lives or when there's something that comes up and it's all of a sudden it's captivated my mind and I'm worried about it and I'm anxious about it and I'm very fearful in this circumstance, I have to sit back and go, where am I not trusting God to be faithful and good? Where is that? Because that's the problem. And oftentimes, when we start to look into what the problem is, God's going to lead us to a place where our treasure, again, is going to be addressed. Like, have I put my treasure in the wrong place or have I ultimately placed it in Jesus himself? I mean, is that where my treasure is? Have I called something else good? Am I trusting something else other than Jesus? Because most of us worry about stuff that we think we ought to be able to control, but we have literally no control over it. And God has invited you. Hey, trust me. Look at the lilies of the field. The birds of the air. I've given you examples all around. You don't have to be afraid. 
So let's start by addressing the root of the problem. When it comes to fear, let me just tell you this. Fear is sinful. Fear is sinful simply for this reason, because the Bible over and over and over tells you not to do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Someone said there's 366 don't be afraids in the Bible. One for every day. I don't know if that's true. I've never went in and researched it. All right. But I can tell you that over and over and over and over again, the resounding message of the scriptures are that we don't have to be afraid. And when God himself gives you a directive and you decide to do something else that's sinful, The second thing that I would give you as we begin to make steps out of that into security is this. To memorize scripture. Now I'm going to show you a, a passage of scripture here in just a moment. It is to me. And, and, and this series really comes out of my heart because as a young man, um, anxiety and fear were something that I dealt with a whole lot. Uh, I have family here, and some of you might even remember that season in my life. And as I walked through that, and I mean literally through that season, to get to the other side, this is the passage. This is the scripture that God embedded in my psyche. Because it is the truth. All right, so let's look at it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Let me just stop there and say, if you were looking for an out as to it's okay to worry or to be anxious about, there is no out. Do not be anxious about anything. I mean, that's what the scriptures tell us. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the model for how to beat fear. This right here, this small little passage. And if this is something that you have struggled with in your life, I would suggest that you write this on an index card, put it on the dashboard of your car, that you get this to a point where you can say it and say it and say it and say it to yourself. And I'll walk you back through it. Don't be anxious about anything, all right? He could have just stopped there, but then he gives us the steps but in every situation, by prayer and petition, right? So when something comes up, what do we do? What's the first thing we do? We go to Jesus and we pray. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Last week I told you that when we place our treasure in the wrong place, it's really easy to go to the wrong place for our security. But in this passage of scripture, we're reminded that if we're going to live in security, we're actually going to go to Jesus first. That's the destination for us. All right. So 
in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And this is what will happen when we have accomplished that. When I have fully stopped trying to be in control, stopped trying to manipulate, stopped trying to live in fear, when I have got to that point, this is how I will know because the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. See, peace doesn't mean there is no storm. Peace means I can trust Jesus in the middle of a storm. Right? Jesus never once give us, gives us any kind of guarantee that it's all going to be over with, that it's going to be clear sailing from him on out. And the last thing that I would encourage you with is this, that we need to live in community. Fear grows in isolation. Fear grows in isolation. But community builds trust. That's why we have placed so much effort and energy over this season into starting small groups because we want to give you an opportunity to live in community with other people. You see, when you sit down with someone and you can honestly say, you know what, I have this going on in my life. What typically happens is that God has placed somebody else there that can go, you know what, I had that going on one time. This is what God did in my life. And somehow, when that community opens up to us, we can look and go, well, if God did it for you, he could do it for me. I know that. I mean, if, if I can see it alive in your life, man, I believe that that could happen in mine. But when you're by yourself, the only story you have to live on is yours. It's not being informed by anybody else. And God is doing miraculous things all around us. And when we live in community, we get to live with a God that's much bigger than us. A faith that is informed by our community. So as we land today, let me ask you this question. Do you truly believe that God is good? That you can trust him. Do you truly believe that? I mean, most of us would sit in the seats and say, yeah, I believe it. But when something breaks in your family and, and, and somebody's mad at you and, and the bills don't seem like they can get paid and your kids are throwing up all over your white couch, whenever any of that stuff happens... Are you sitting back going, man, this is a crazy day, but God is still good. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that doesn't happen every day, but that's weird. But God is good. God is still good. Can you do that? 
But when that stuff happens, are you upset, angry, frustrated? Where's your heart? Because fear says God can't, God won't. He won't because he's not good. But faith and trust in Jesus says God can. God can because he's trustworthy. He's good. And he's been faithful to me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, as we kind of think about this morning, what it means to transition from living in fear to living in security. Today, God, would you just remind us of the goodness that you have for us. For those of us that have accepted fear as a, a part of our lives, as something that we just can't escape, God, would you please, for, for your glory and for our betterment, God, today, would you just release us from that? Today, if there's anybody in here who's never really walked out of a lifestyle of fear, they've never taken steps to get away from it. God, would you today, through your great mercy, God, deliver us to faith in you. So with nobody looking around, I just want to ask everybody a personal question. And that's just real simple. I mean, do, do you want to trust in the goodness of Jesus? In your life, do you want to trust in the goodness of Jesus? Like when, when stuff really goes crazy in your lives, are you going to trust yourself? Are you going to trust somebody else? Do you want to trust your bank account? Or would you trust Jesus? If today you would say, you know what, I've, I've never made that decision, but I really want to live a life that's trusting Jesus first. If that's you and you're here today, would you just do me a favor and raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to go anywhere or do anything weird. I see that. That's great. Is there anybody else that's here and you say, I never... I never have really done this before, but I, I want to trust Jesus first. Is there anybody else? Maybe if there's somebody here today and you would say, you know, I have really been struggling with fear. And it's children, anxiety, and worry. And I know that it's not an easy transition, but I want to make it because I want to trust Jesus and I want to be obedient to the scriptures because I don't want to live in fear and in worry. If that's you, would you, would you raise your hand today? I see those hands. That's great. Let me pray for those people that raise their hands. God, just take us and release us today. God, 
For those who raise their hands and confess their desire to live with you wholeheartedly today, God, let it be that. Let them walk out of here just in love with you. God, release them from from fear and anxiety and worry. Because you love us so much. We can't trust you. You are good. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.